It's a problem in marriage. It's a problem in parenting. It's a problem for little league baseball coaches. And it's a problem in our lives of faith. The problem is listening. Most of us are lousy listeners. If you've been married for very long, you have probably wondered at one point, does my partner have a hearing deficit? Or is he just not listening? My son's baseball coach used to ask the boys at every practice, what is the most important thing in baseball? And the boys would answer, listen. The coach wanted them to pay attention and then trust that the rest of baseball would come along just fine. When my own father reached the age that his hearing was beginning to diminish, he and my mom came to Kansas City for a visit. We went to a brand new restaurant, one we'd never been to before, and I requested a corner table so that dad could follow the conversation if things were noisy, but the noise in this restaurant was loud. And dad was just kind of staring off into space as though he couldn't really hear what the rest of us were talking about. And then my husband got up and went to the men's room. And when he returned to the table, my husband said, wow, that men's room has some interesting art, photographs of female nudes. And my dad said, I've got to go to the men's room. Sometimes we have selective hearing. We listen to what we want to hear. And sometimes we just have a failure to communicate. Sometimes words don't seem to convey what we need them to convey. When Dave and I have an argument, he sometimes remarks, that's not what I said. And I say, well, that's what I heard. There's more to listening than just words. We listen also with the heart. We listen with our own preconceived notions. And listening, it's a lot of work. We teach a class here at church called Couple Communication, how to talk so people will listen and how to listen so people will talk. And in that class, we always teach that listening takes more physiological energy than talking. Listening is hard work. Recently, I read about an artist technique called pentimento. If an artist applies color to the canvas with the paintbrush, and then decides that he prefers a different color and paints over that original color, the base color sometimes bleeds through and comes to the surface. And this is called pentimento. And it can happen when we listen. The speaker says one thing, but our mind lets another thing bleed through. Fred Craddock says that this happens all the time in sermons. I mention a story, and your mind lets another story come to the surface. I mention a scripture verse, and your mind begins to remember a moment in the past when that scripture spoke to you. My mother always said to me, you have one mouth and two ears, so listen more than you talk. And Aaron Burr says to Alexander Hamilton, talk less smile more. Listening requires discipline and focus. In today's scripture lesson, the challenge of listening takes place 
on two levels in two ways. The first is the practical problem of hearing Jesus. Jesus leaves the house, he goes out to the beach, and he sits down beside the sea. But the crowds grow so large, and Jesus realizes he needs to reposition so that everyone can hear better. And so Jesus gets into a boat. The boat is his pulpit that day. And later, the boat becomes a symbol for the early church. But anyway, Jesus begins his sermon in the boat by telling them stories. And the first story is the parable of the sower, the one who went out to plant seeds in the soil. But Jesus evidently thinks that the listeners are not really listening because Jesus begins the story by saying, listen. And Jesus ends the story by saying, let anyone who has ears listen. Jesus perceives that all who have gathered to hear him speak do not really want to listen to him. They remain aloof. They are there on the beach, but reluctant to absorb his message. I remember a lovely gentleman who used to sit up in the balcony. Such a nice man. We always had a lovely chat at the door. I was the associate minister, and I didn't preach often. But then a lady from the balcony told me, when you preach, he always removes his hearing aids because he doesn't want to hear a woman preach. Just because we show up doesn't mean we want to hear. A part of us sometimes remains cut off from taking in the word that God offers. Sometimes we don't want to hear. Sometimes we are afraid that the word God speaks might change us, might change what we already firmly believe or how we already live. My husband shared recently that he had always been taught that if you work hard, you can lift yourself up. You can rise above poverty simply by working hard. It was the American narrative of his grandfather who arrived in the United States as an indentured servant but became a landowner in North Dakota. Then Dave went to Guatemala with Habitat for Humanity and he met men living in a village with no running water and no electricity and he lived with them for a week and never in Dave's life had he seen anyone work harder than those men, getting up at 4 a.m., farming, digging the foundation, making block by hand, chopping wood, hammering stones with a chisel, laboring well before the sun came up and well after the sun went down. And Dave listened to their stories. He heard them recite poetry from memory, and he heard a new narrative. Hard work does not allow everyone to rise up out of poverty. Listening is dangerous. If we listen, we might be transformed. We might be changed. We might become another version of ourselves. And so sometimes we resist. Once we have heard something, it is hard to unhear it. Maybe this is why the prophet Isaiah says in the Old Testament, God opens the ear. 
It's holy work, a holy challenge, the task of God to grab our attention and get us to hear anew. You would think that we would want to hear everything that God has to say, but maybe spiritual transformation isn't on our agenda all the time. In today's parable, a sower plants seeds. Some fall on thorns, some on parched earth, some on rocky ground, and some on good soil. The seeds do not all take root and grow in every situation. And if you read the rest of the chapter following this parable that Jesus tells, Jesus will use the word understanding over and over again, multiple times. They don't listen well enough to get it, to understand. They remain aloof from the message. And maybe they are right. For the word hear in Hebrew can also be translated as obey. And maybe they don't want to obey God. I remember several months ago when COVID was just hitting New York City with that rapid surge and the ERs and the ICUs were running out of room and the mayor and the governor were scrambling for solutions. And I remember hearing that St. John the Divine, the largest cathedral in the world there in New York, had installed hospital beds where the pews were typically positioned. They were gearing up to be an overflow hospital. This Episcopal church had listened to the need in their community and it transformed them from a cathedral for liturgy and prayers and singing and into a clinical ward for healing. And I thought when I read that story, Jesus would like this. But sometimes change is hard. I wonder if sometimes we close our ears and refuse to listen for all the wrong reasons. Do we really think that God will say something that will make of us something that is less of who we already are? Do we really think that God would diminish our lives instead of enhance them? I picture the seed that God plants as something that I am, but haven't yet fully let blossom. Maybe hearing God would make me more fully myself, not less. What are the words that we today are afraid to hear? Christina Noble was afraid to hear the voices of children. Christina had a very vivid dream about children running and fleeing bombs on the streets of Vietnam. In Christina's dream, there is this little girl looking at her and begging her to pick her up and carry her to safety. Many years later, Christina visited Vietnam. She was watching two little girls, both destitute, playing in the dirt in the streets. And one of the girls approached Christina and extended her hand. And in that moment, she remembered the dream. And this was the little girl of her dream. But the memory was too painful. Christina had spent part of her own childhood living as a homeless person on the streets of Dublin. And she couldn't allow her heart to get involved here. The memories were too painful, but she also couldn't turn away. 
And so Christina formed a not-for-profit, built an orphanage, started a children's medical center in Ho Chi Minh, Vietnam. Her foundation spread to the United States, France, London, Australia. And in this work, Christina found a spiritual opportunity. Here, she writes, here is where I found true happiness. Karen Armstrong tells this story in her book on compassion, and I believe it illustrates that so many times we resist hearing the spiritual opportunity that God offers. God speaks. God speaks. Not just in scripture and in prayer, oh, there for sure, but also God speaks through the narratives of our lives and the faces of those around us. But do we, like those listeners of Jesus, remain reluctant and aloof on the beach, simply listening? Or do we hear and understand that these words are an invitation to joy? Do we remain aloof on the beach or do we get into the boat and go on a journey with this one named Jesus? Peter Marty tells a story about his friend's church out in San Francisco. This congregation, this church, ran a food kitchen for their hungry neighbors. One day, a young mechanic came in for dinner. He had just been released from prison and he arrived early while one of the church volunteers was wiping down the tables. When do we get down on our knees and start doing the chores? He asked her. She shook her head. No, we don't do that. Well, when does the sermon begin? He asked her. She told him they didn't preach a sermon there. Well, what about the lecture on life? He asked. No, she answered. Well, what's the gimmick? He asked her. And she pointed to a sign up over the door of the dining room. It was in Latin, and it said, Caritate Dei. What does it mean? He asked her. Translate, out of love for God, she replied. Out of love for God. For God. 